cue intro sounds. How's it going, everyone? I'm sitting here. It's June. The weather is finally turning around here in the Midwest along the lake. Finally, summertime seems to be staying committed, sticking around for you know, two, three months before we re-enter the frozen tundra. If you're not a Midwestern folk, it's maybe hard to appreciate how much we suffer and struggle for the few brief moments where the weather is nice enough to go outside and sit on a patio in shorts versus having it all year long or six months out of the year. Ours is, it's fleeting. Our warmth is fleeting. The celebration is fleeting, and it makes it that much extra special where we sit in the winter longing to be outside, longing to be able to want to endure the elements for more than two minutes or unless we have to shovel snow. It's finally happened. We're almost halfway through June, and it's only finally now really happening. We had some on and off, but I feel like we're really finally here. We're finally in the moment where summer is ready to be. And it's going to be a muggy one. I feel like it's going to be a muggy one. This week's going to be sticky and hot. I can't even enjoy having the windows open because it's just going to be that stick-to-your-seat kind of sweaty, balmy grossness, basically Florida style. But we, we persevere, we strive, we tell ourselves that this fleeing comfort this fleeing warmth is worth all the shit we put up with versus people who enjoy a mild winter and a nice prolonged summer just a little bit further south than me and to you congratulations you may enjoy that but you didn't earn it that's the thing about being a midwesterner you earn the good weather because you suffer and you lie to yourself and you say i don't mind the winter snowmobiling and curling and uh, hot chocolate and shit zero degrees fahrenheit fuck it it's great i love it it builds character it may not i don't know i'm gonna eternally be in denial until i leave the midwest if that ever happens that year i lived in texas i was lying to myself it wasn't you lose something sure you have to endure the 110 degrees in the summer but there's nothing like just fucking freezing to your core on a harsh January day where the wind just causes physical pain. This is a intermediary podcast where I talk about music albums, not climate, whether you believe it or not. But before I do, part of the reason I'm so excited about the summer is summer reading. Summer reading is great. It's something that they lie to you and say is a necessity when you're growing up. So you have a book list for the summer. So your parents will get you to shut the hell up and not just want to roam and wander the streets. Uh, My summer reading just arrived today. I'm looking at it right now. All Gates Open, the story of Can. It's technically two books. First, Robert, Robert Young takes us through the history of Cannes, and then Erman Schmidt, the last surviving core member of Cannes, talks about the philosophy. Uh, I leafed through just a little bit, looked at some of the photos. I am super geeked. I've been listening to a lot of Cannes lately, as I do in fits and spades. Why wouldn't you? It's They're the best fucking band that basically ever existed. Sure, oh, the Beatles, Radiohead, Led Zeppelin, I don't know, Foo Fighters, whatever you want to, Nirvana, doesn't matter. Cannes is the best partly because of the unspoken nature of it 
due to the ripple effect they had on future music that is kind of just unknown to the general audience. Those great bands that followed Talking Heads, Radiohead, uh, Nirvana, the Mars Volta. You know, I had to mention them. I'm sorry, folks. All these guys pulled from Can. They were all influenced by Can. And you went to those shows and you you danced and you jumped for joy. You may have moshed. You went, this music's great. These guys are luminaries. Sure they are, but they got it from Can. And the fact that not enough people go back and meet the uh, meet the maker, reach point zero, reach Genesis, is a crime. If you don't listen to Can, go listen to Can. I promised you I'm not just fanboy gushing. I also promise you you're gonna hate it the first time you listen to it because it's strange and it's alien. It's almost like rock music, but it's not quite rock music. It's it's audacious. It's in your face. Then it's subtle and loving. It it uh, gives you a loving embrace, and then it also tries to kill you, and it also confounds and confuses. Can is the genesis of modern music. It's not the Beatles. It's not the Rolling Stones. It's Can. And I'm really geeked to read this book. It's fucking massive. I could probably murder someone with this book. But shit, we got we got some we got some albums we gotta get through. There's so many. Um and every time I do an episode, I just more just dump into my lap and it just seems endless. Endless. But we're gonna do our best. Um some of these I'm gonna maybe be a little bit quicker about. Uh first of all, let's just let's just let's let's knock this one out of the park. Culture two. Migos. Migos is a pop, hip-hop, trap, hip-hop super group um, that kind of blew up on the scene a few years ago uh, with a couple singles. Um, Culture, the first Culture was sort of a landmark album, a flashpoint in pop, hip-hop. If you hear any jingling of bells, the cat is cleaning herself uh, pretty close by. Anyway, so Culture 1 is this flashpoint, this... this, uh, nexus of popular music and trap and hip-hop all coming together songs like bad and bougie rip through the radio waves um versace look at my dab all these songs here are paving the way for migos to be sort of the next legendary hip-hop group perhaps your next outcast your next nwa your next wu-tang clan maybe a lot more pop focused a lot more mainstream but that perfect melding of three uh, musical uh, luminaries that are t- paving the way forward. Culture 2 comes out this year, and the the reviews are mostly positive, which is confounding to me. At an hour and 46 minutes, and I know I talk about runtimes a lot on the roundup, but runtimes are important because of the risk of overstaying your welcome when you've run out of material to work with and you're just presenting songs that just don't do anything exciting or interesting that's what what are we what are we here for and this album is long it's almost you could watch a star wars effectively in the same runtime and for an album to be an hour and 46 minutes you have to have the gall you're saying to your listening audience it is worth your time to listen to all this at once we didn't want to cut this up into two, three albums because this could have been two or three albums worth of material. They're saying this is worth 
one album this is a is a is a focused presentation is worth it and no it is not this album is a nightmare it is the length hinders it tremendously i would and i think even as two shorter albums or an album and a mixtape this probably wouldn't even be that strong of a release there's no song on here that i really really dug on to there's a couple like I will admit, Emoji, A Chain Was Catchy, Bad Bitches Only, Crown the Kings, um, Flooded. There are moments where this album does have some interesting interesting pieces that grab you some interesting songs. But overall, it's so repetitive. It's so droll and dull and unengaging. Uh, Migos' flow has pretty much run its course. It no longer has any excitement to it. It's the same formula over and over again. Sort of a mumbled rap verse with a freestyle call uh, shout out in the background. Background! Um, after a while, it's you can predict how these, these flows are going to go. You can predict how the hustle is going to go. You can predict the verses and the cadence of the verses. And when you can do that very early on the album, I'm not talking like, hey, by track 22 or 24, you finally figured it out. I'm just saying by track 4, you're going... This is all there is to it, and it never changes. It is consistent. I understand that this is sort of the Migos style, quote-unquote, and I'm not here to say that they need to completely reinvent their identity, but to present the same package over and over and over again with a slightly different backing beat is going to wear thin, and it's going to showcase the creative bankruptcy that's presenting itself right here. Nothing changes in this album. It is long and droll and painful to listen to, and I can't imagine anyone listening to it in one full session for them to dare to present a full album like this. Because when you present a full album at an hour and 46 minutes, you're saying it's worth that time. And it's not. It is just, gosh, this is a terrible, terrible record. Um, I don't know how you could slice it or repackage it for it to be worth it absolutely avoid it it's already one of my worst of 2018 and from for people to praise it as groundbreaking or creative is just stunning to me it is just a mass of trash avoid at all costs which is not to say that hip-hop is struggling in 2018 absolutely not there's two hip-hop albums i listened to this week in fact that prove otherwise first was j cole's kod um, which was described as sort of this hippie, tree-hugging kind of rap album by J. Cole, uh, which didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Perhaps if you're a little bit more into mainstream hip-hop, this could feel kind of hippie-ish, kind of psychedelic, kind of um, uh, mellow, uh, not mellower, but just sort of uh, um, sort of looser, looser fitting, I guess might be the way of describing it. But... If you're if you're a little bit more varied in your taste in hip hop, funk, soul, rock, music, whatever you have, you you'll see that KOD is nothing that out of the ordinary, nothing that striking. I can think of 2017 Scumfuck Flower Boy from Tyler the Creator as a perfect example of a trippy psychedelic hip hop album. Um, listening to a Dalek album, which obviously much more dystopian, has that sort of amorphous kind of feel that Jake Cole may have been going for. But Jake Cole is still smart enough to keep things still relatively uh focused and uh on point with solid hip hop with solid hip hop beats and instrumental production. I enjoyed that a lot. Uh his verbiage, um his flow on point as Jake Cole is one to do. I like Jake Cole a lot. 
uh, I was talking with a friend of mine, and he was talking about how Forest Hill Drive has not been topped, and after that, he's kind of been disappointing. I disagree. I think he's been putting out solidly consistent work. You may not say he's at the top of the heap. True. But what I will give him credit for is that he's producing engaging, interesting albums um, that have creative ideas. They play it maybe just a hint too safe for my liking. I wish he would be a little more daring, such as in this previous album. I wish it was went a little bit further on some of the creative ideas he was going for and that more gospel kind of sound he was producing. Here, a little more amorphous, a little bit fuzzier, a little bit more out in the nature. But overall, it's still... A solid presentation and definitely worth your listen. The other one that I actually listened to just a couple days ago and is probably heading up my list for favorite hip-hop albums of 2018, possibly favorite albums of 2018, would be Zarface meets Metalface. Zarface and MF Doom. Zarface is a new is a new identity for me. I'm not familiar with him. MF Doom has been around for quite a long time, producing sort of mellow, stonery hip hop with his deep billowing voice, crunchy not crunchy, soft, mushy bass tones with sort of a chilled out chilled out production. MF Doom produced a lot of work for uh, Adult Swim. Rapping about Space Ghost, rapping about Meatwad. Uh, he's been known to be a bit of a live performance troll, sending uh, fake MF Dooms to perform at his shows. And so MF Doom uh, has some, uh, there's, there's some mixed things you could say about MF Doom. But this album, holy moly, with respect to 70s black exploitation and funk film, much less music. The melding of Zarface and MF Doom is a perfect marriage. Funky hip-hop production with a lot of respect to, the, to 70s music, 70s soundtrack music, 70s horror, 70s exploitation, 70s uh, uh, sort of crime drama um, with a lot of uh, funky guitar riffs, bass work, super um, engaging drum work as well. Not sure if these are samples or it's a live production. Either way... If it's sampling, it's a perfect curation of sounds to create this template This template for them to rap about their uh, superhero, supervillain war. If it is live production, whoever designed it was a genius with a perfect ear for creating this sort of horror film meets superhero circa 1970s Wonderland for which these two to play off of. Zarface's flow kind of reminds me a little bit of Jay-Z's and so does his vo- his voice itself. So there was a few moments where I kept checking on my iPod. Yes, my iPod classic. I was like, is Jay-Z featuring on this? No, it's just Zarface. And um, you know, you could give him a little bit of a ding that it sounds a little too similar to his work, but overall I don't think it's that bad. MF Doom classic MF Doom. He's not on this album a whole lot, it felt like. It felt like Zarface was significantly uh, more featured with MF Doom sort of popping up here and there. I don't know if maybe he had more of a production side, but Doom kind of keeping it Doom style, sort of that mellow, slower cadence, hip, uh, verbal play. Um, Not screaming at you, not blatting word after word after word, but just kind of going, hey guys, we're going to get there. Just... Just chill out. Take it easy. Don't don't rush yourself. And I love that about MF Doom. He's in a, in an era where people are trying to throw as many words as possible in karate chop beats or just screaming and hollering like lunatics. MF Doom is there to go, slow down, take a drink. We're going to get there. And his soft, pillowy voice leaves you feeling comforted and safe. 
a high recommendation for an excellent, excellent album. I want to stay on a positive note for 2018. There's been some really good stuff that has come out, some duds, which we'll get to at some point. Uh, Anywhere is a super group featuring members of uh, Yowie, featuring members of the Minutemen, featuring members of Neon Indian, featuring members of the Mars Volta, uh, all uh, Big Walnuts Yonder, all sorts of stuff. It's a, an amalgam uh, of different Dot Hacker. It's an amalgam of different artists coming together to produce this sort of worldly, uh, psychedelic... Uh, I, rock music's not the right term. Yes, there is drums, bass, and guitar, but it doesn't really follow any sort of rock formula. You have these sort of Middle Eastern kind of... In, uh, East Asian sounds um, coming together in a pseudo rock format, but overall its own thing. It's very uh, textural. It's very almost soundtrack esque, creating these sort of uh, landscapes that you can imagine would uh, musical landscapes that you can imagine would be played out in a film. This is Anywhere 2, their second release. The first release came out in about 2012. So it's been quite a while since Anywhere has been has put together a full release. They've been releasing EPs in the in the years. This is sort of a scooping of them all together and finally being put out. Um, so in a way, it's not really a new proper release. There's no new tracks if you've been following the EPs. Um, but I think this compilation is a perfect compilation uh, capturing the, what they've been doing for the past uh, four or five years, and they've been producing some wonderful work. Uh, um, songs like Bone Flute Blues and Olompali uh, create these deep musical textures for which they fall deep into with deep production um, with Middle Eastern style sounds. This album compared to Anywhere, the first Anywhere release has much more vocal play, but the vocals are not that important. The lyrics are not that important, let me say. Um, rather, the, uh, the, the musical layer they provide, the, uh, the, the sonic production they add to to everything is really the important piece which is similar to anywhere one and it's something you could there's heavier moments compared to anywhere the first anywhere there's some more mellow moments there's some more experimental moments so it's a little bit more uh it's a broader release in the sense that it plays a little bit more in the extremes where the first anywhere had a little bit more of a contained feeling felt a little safer anywhere two feels like the knife is finally out that being said, there were some smart editing moments to keep it from going full uh, full audacious and full too dangerous for a casual listener, such as, for example, the, uh, the song No French Quarter in the original release was substantially longer, two, three times as long, and just felt like it kind of meandered and wasn't really specifically engaging. Here at only two minutes, yes, it's still very grating and tough, but it's safer and it's not trying to murder you. I really like this one. It's a, a little bit of a more daring listen compared to some other things we talk about here on Riff and Rock, um, but I would recommend it regardless. I think it's something to challenge yourself to, something maybe to put on the background while you're studying, reading a book in the summer, sitting on your porch, drinking a mojito, and giving you something a little bit different than the sort of typical summer fluff that you might be exp- uh, exposing yourself to. Speaking of summer style work. I listened to Atmosphere's Sad Clown Bad Summer number 9, a quick little EP featuring five tracks from 2007 with a nice summery kind of sound, a more uplifting uh, 
of more uplifting production. And with Atmosphere rapping about summertime experiences, talking about lost love, getting into trouble during the summertime, not having the responsibility of school. Um, it's just a pleasant little listen to. It has a very old school vibe, even though released, Jesus Christ, 2007 was 11 years ago. But feeling a little bit more like mid to late 90s in its sound and production. Uh, the, the lyrics are engaging. They paint these beautiful narratives of what it's like in the summertime when you're in high school talking about, you know, first loves, getting into trouble, um, break, heartbreak, uh, and all those, and summer summer jobs, all those fun things. I remember even at, it's a brief little 18-minute romp, I felt this deep sense of nostalgia as I listened to it, kind of reminiscing about my own summertime experiences, working specific jobs, um, going out with my girlfriend at the time or lamenting not having a girlfriend at the time, depending on the summer, hanging out with friends almost every single day, staying up super late, waking up super late. Uh, it's it's weird how such a short little, produ- little piece of work transported me so far back and gave me this deep sense of nostalgia for an era that probably wasn't that great for me. High school is terrible, but in that brief moment, I really loved it. And for some reason, I'm like, man... I loved high school. I didn't. It's terrible. But this little EP, worth your time. Give it a give it a listen. Give it a purchase. I'm I'm on the hip hop kick at the moment, so let's just keep rolling with it. Um, last week I gave myself the wonderful opportunity of listening to Arrested Development, not the TV show, but the hip hop group. Three years, five months, and two days in the life of. Oh, what a beautiful saga. What a masterpiece. I was a little worried. A 1991 hip-hop album, usually you're running an hour, a good, sour, good solid 70 to 80 minutes. You're also running into a little bit too much sameness because they're just cramming everything they can. But In the Life is vibrant. It is alive. It is one of the most dynamic hip-hop albums I've ever heard. And especially as a 1991 release, I'm kind of confused much less baffled how it didn't get more proper attention. Perhaps it just wasn't the right time for its release. It just wasn't the popular trend, so it kind of got lost in the wayside. Production-wise, oh boy, beautiful, beautiful work. Pulling classic funk, pulling classic gospel and R&B sampling to create these this uplifting, vibrant, and super creative production work from which Todd Thomas or MC Speech could paint his narrative um you have songs like people every day that uh just has this beautiful this beautiful lyrical content about the lack of communication we have um painted in a context of going to this party and the part and everything at the party going absolutely wrong because of misunderstandings and violence erupting afterwards um but delves into multiple genres beyond just hip-hop it delves into funk it delves into rock music it's an alternative uh, hip-hop album that just crosses genres. Heck, the song Tennessee is even rated as one of the 500 songs that shaped rock and roll by the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, yeah, it's just, it's pretty much perfect. I, 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 it's, it feels concise, especially considering the era. It feels fresh and creative. I just, I loved every moment of it and it's an absolute 100% listen to all right we're gonna wrap up this one here only a few albums discussed but 
try to keep these a little bit short so I'm not wearing on you, wearing on all of you. Uh, we're gonna listen in next time. Talk about some more albums. Got still plenty, plenty more. <laughs> Doesn't feel like I'm ever gonna get it done, but that's okay. That's the point of the roundup. Uh, episode 94 coming out just soon. Enjoy.